Before we come to God's word, let's, uh, let's pray together. Let's pray for our world, because I don't know about you, but uh, I don't enjoy turning the news on. <laughs> you know, because there's so much going on, isn't there? There's so much going on in our world. The world that God loves, the world that God created, the world that God seeks to redeem. And so we need to bring it to God in prayer. Let's pray. And the writer to the Hebrews says this, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Let me read that again. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Our Heavenly Father, we pray for all who find themselves homeless and refugees at the mercy of other people and nations. We pray for the Rohingya people fleeing Myanmar. We ask that aid will quickly get through to where it is needed and that diplomatic pressure will bring about a resolution to the situation. Heavenly Father, we pray for all those caught up in the catastrophic catastrophic flooding in Nepal, Bangladesh and India and the devastation of Hurricane Harvey and Imra across the Caribbean islands and Florida and the earthquake affecting Mexico. We pray for aid agencies and governments as they seek to bring help, reassurance and badly needed supplies and as they seek to rebuild communities. Father, may we not become immune to the images we see of refugees and victims of disasters, but may may we do whatever we can to help alleviate suffering and injustice across the world. We pray against the rising military tension in North Korea that brings instability and fear to that whole region. We we pray that Kim Jong-un might have a change of heart and stop the proliferation of nuclear arms. We pray for an opening up of North Korea to diplomatic dialogue and a stepping back from further hostility. We pray for all who continue to deal with the after effects of terrorist attacks around the world. We aggrieve the innocent loss of life and the life-changing injuries suffered by so many. We pray for governments as they grapple with all the issues of terrorism and as they seek to keep nations secure and safe. We pray for a change of heart for all who would seek to bring death and destruction to our streets across the world. Father, our reading reminds us that nothing in all creation is hidden from your sight, and that one day there will be a reckoning. Until that day we put our trust in you, in your purposes for this world, And in the glorious hope that we have in Christ Jesus of a day when all injustice will cease, wrongs will be righted, and you will establish a new heaven and a new earth. For this we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. (laughs) 
If you've got your Bibles and you want to turn with me just for a moment to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11. We've been looking over recent weeks through the summer at encountering God. And we've looked at various stories in the scriptures of people who have encountered God in various situations. We looked at Moses, who encountered God in the wilderness. We looked at Gideon, who encountered God in his weakness. We looked at Rachel, who encountered God in her disappointment. We looked at Nicodemus, who came to God in the shadows or in the darkness of of night. And we've been exploring and we've been finding that we can come to God in all situations and circumstances of life. We can come just as we are, with our questions, with our doubts, with our fears, with our disappointments, with our uncertainty, with our searching. This morning, just briefly and and leading into communion and leading into the rest of the, the service, I just want to say to you, we can encounter God today. We encounter God today. And what we're going to do just briefly is to look at the greatest invitation that has ever been given. The greatest invitation that has ever been given by the one who can meet and the one who understands all our needs. Jesus is speaking, or Matthew is recording a narrative of Jesus. He's been involved in a conversation, a three-way conversation with John the Baptist via John's disciples and where there have been a question that began at the beginning of chapter 11 where he says, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? And that was the question that John the Baptist was posing to Jesus and Jesus gives his answer through John's disciples because John is in prison. We then have a little brief passage from verse 20 where... uh, where Jesus reveals, woe to unrepentant towns, woe to those who do not honour him, woe to those who will not accept him. And then there comes this greatest invitation that has ever been given. Verse 25. At that time Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. As far, yes, Father, for this is what you have, are pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I guess that's something we all long for, isn't it? Just rest for our souls, to find that place of rest. And that comes through meeting Jesus. That comes from... from responding to his invitation. invitation. Who is it, the one? Who is the, the, the one who issues this invitation? Verse 27 tells us four things about Jesus. Very quickly, four things. All things have been committed to me by the Father. Just stop for a moment. And let those words sink into your, your mind. All things have been committed to me. 
all things. There is nothing, there is nothing in life, there is nothing in this world, there is nothing in the universe that has not been committed to Jesus, that he is not part of, or he is not the central part of. It reminds me of Matthew 20, 28, verse 20. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. It reminds me of Paul when he's writing to the church at Colossae and he says, in him all things hold together. All things hold together. Now as a child, I well remember that at this time of the year in um, the cupboard at home, there used to be uh, about this sort of time, there'd be a whole stack of seaside rock. Because it seemed to me that anybody who went to the seaside always brought you a stick of rock back. You know, when you, you went to exotic places when you're on holiday, like Torbay or Blackpool or Southend or Clacton or, or, you know, all these exotic places. And people brought you back this stick of rock. And wherever you cut that stick of rock, there was always the name of the place there, written through the centre of that stick of rock. It was always there. And that's life. Wherever you dissect life, you find the name of Jesus at the heart of it. There is nothing in life. There is nowhere in life. Where can I go from your spirit? The psalmist cries. All things have been committed to me, Jesus says. Goes on to say that only God fully knows Jesus. And no, no one knows the Son except the Father. You know, we search, don't we? We try to understand God. We try to understand the meaning of life. We try to understand the meaning of creation. What is it? There's that, that probe that has been going around Saturn that has, uh, you know, they've destroyed this week, you know, and it's come back and there's all this fantastic information the scientists are telling us that, that, is, that is helping us to understand the meaning of life. Get real. Get real. It's only the Son who truly knows the Father. And it's only, Je- only Jesus is f- fully known by God. And no one knows the Father except the Son. Sorry, have I got those two up, haven't I? No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son. There is complete understanding. And then he goes on to say, and only Jesus can reveal God. Only Jesus can reveal God. And those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And then there comes this invitation. Greatest invitation, if you like. It's personal. Come to me. Come to Jesus. Come to me. Come to a person. Come to a real person. The one who knows God, the one who is God. It's specific, all who are weary and burdened. Now that would have been music to the ears of of Matthew's readers. Because on the one hand, he was speaking to... uh, to the Gentiles who are speaking to the Greeks, who were constantly searching for truth. They were constantly looking for truth. What is truth? That was their big question. What is truth? They were constantly trying to fathom out life. 
Are you doing that today? Are you constantly asking that question, why? Why has this happened? Why has such and such worked out as it has? Are you trying to constantly work out and think through what the possibilities are? Well, Jesus has come to me. I don't know about you, but it gets wearying some, doesn't it, to try and work everything out. It just gets overwhelming trying to work out why certain things happen in my life and in our nation's life and in the world. But Jesus has come to me. Are you trying to fathom things out this morning in your own mind, in your own heart, trying to work it out? Come to Jesus. Because he says, I am the truth. I am the truth. But he's also speaking to those who are burdened, and that would have been music to the ears of his Jewish readers, who are constantly burdened by demands. Later on in Matthew, he speaks about the Pharisees' <coughs> demands of, the, Jew, of, of the, the Jewish nation, constantly tying them down, constantly weighing them down. You've got to be doing this, and you've got to be doing that, and you've got to be doing something else. Is that you this morning? You're feeling you can't do enough. You can't do enough. The Christian life feels so hard. It feels so burdensome. Are you being weighed down by the expectations of others? Or your own expectations? Your own expectations of what you should be doing? Or who you are? Then come to Jesus. Come to him. Because what does he say? I will give you rest. He's not just speaking there in terms of physical rest. He's not actually speaking about that. He's not actually talking about a cessation of toil, that that, that life will suddenly become easier. He's talking that he will give you peace. He will give you a sense of well-being. He will give you a sense of purpose. He will give you a sense of life being put right, of life being reordered. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Do you know this morning that Jesus wants to be the mentor to each and every one of you? There's a lovely image there of that yoke, that yoke, that wooden beam that actually yokes two animals together. Jesus would probably have made many, many in his carpenter days. But you know that you always yoke a younger animal to an older animal. You always yoke an experienced animal to to an inexperienced animal. And it's always the experienced animal that takes the lead. And it's the younger animal that follows. And that's what Jesus is saying, yoke yourself to me. Give yourself to me. Let me walk with you. Let me journey with you, or rather you journey with me. That's probably the right way around. Rather you journey with me. And in doing that, you will gain peace. You will know my presence. Encounter me. We encounter God now in communion. We encounter him 
in the bread and the wine. Symbols of forgiveness, symbols of God's mercy, symbols of God's grace. We encounter God at the cross where Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sins. We encounter God through his Holy Spirit. And I want to pray that now as we come to communion that each and every one of us will encounter God through the wine, through the bread and the wine, through the cross, but also through his Holy Spirit. As we come to him, as we come, that's a definite action. And as we conclude our worship and our time this morning, there'll be an opportunity just to minister to those who are weary and those who are burdened. Are you just simply weary of trying to fathom it all out? (coughs) Weary of having to have all the answers or thinking that you have to have all the answers? Are you just weary of life's expectations? Or the expectations of others? Or the expectations that you put on yourself? Then Jesus says to you this morning, come to me. Come to me, lay down your burden, take up my yoke, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we can freely and openly come to you this morning. Thank you that... This table laid before us is an open invitation to experience again your love, your mercy and your grace. Shown to us so fully and completely in Jesus. Father, as we eat the bread and as we drink from the cup, may we once again just experience the overwhelming power of your love and of your grace for us. We began our service by simply saying that you are good and your love endures forever. Father, we purposely step into your goodness and your love this morning. And as we share communion, Father, those things that make us weary, those things that are burdensome, We come and we put at the foot of the cross. We come and lay them before you. That we might receive your rest. Your presence. Your peace. Amen.